Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year to everyone again and to everyone online. Now, I need to, I need to be honest before I say anything else because honesty is good. And second, because I find the moment you say, let me be honest, it frees you up to basically say whatever you want without offending anyone. So I'm just going to be honest. And the thought of this morning honestly made me cringe. It was so bad. And I'll tell you why. Because I knew, chances are, all of us are going to be thinking about New Year's and New Year's resolutions and what we're going to do differently this year. And that makes me cringe just a little bit. And then I thought... Oh my hat, there's no way you cannot talk about New Year's and resolutions when that's what everyone's thinking about the day after New Year's. And then I realized I'd probably have to admit also, and I don't like admitting it, but I don't like cheesy things, but I find I often do cheesy things. And I actually make New Year's resolutions every year. I just don't tell anyone. Um, and, but I need to keep it simple, otherwise it'll never happen. So I normally just choose one word for the year. And just a silly example, like two years ago, my word for the year was... Yes. And so basically, I challenged myself to say yes to absolutely everything I could for the whole year, unless it was dodge, and that was my excuse not to do it. And I think it went kind of well. And again, the point is, I'm just sharing this so you know, I actually have nothing against New Year's or resolutions or reflecting back or trying to plan for a better year. I just know, which I'll get to in a moment, that, that for me, I know I needed something more than a resolution. Um, this year. I know, I know resolutions are good, but the reality is it doesn't always work out. And I thought, coming out of the year we did, like, I really just, just need something better, something that will work, something that will stick. And I'm sure for a lot of you, besides silly things like saying yes, I think maybe you're going through some hectic stuff where actually maybe you also feel you need something better than just a resolution. So a few days ago, I was reading through um, Exodus, and honestly, I was, it was really boring. I got to the part where, where it was just the, where God sent the ten plagues. So what's happening is God is trying to get Pharaoh to let his people go, and Pharaoh is hard-hearted and he's stubborn and he won't let his people go. And then so God sends the ten plagues and the ten plagues, the ten plagues, and it's just it got so repetitive. And I'll tell you why. So finally, by the at least by like the third plague, I think it was. Pharaoh's finally like, actually, I can't take this anymore. I need to let God's people go. My land's being destroyed. But then it says in verse um, 15 of chapter 8, But when Pharaoh saw that relief had come, he became stubborn, and he refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord predicted. And this went on plague after plague. Another plague came, and this time I thought, I was convinced, Evan. Pharaoh's like, actually, I'm sorry. Please just ask God to remove the plagues, and I'll let your people go. In verse 32, but Pharaoh again became stubborn, and then he went back on his word, and he refused to let the people go. Then a hectic one came. God sent like massive hail and rain and floods, and it wiped down all their crocs. Crocs. For the Afrikaans people, that would be bad, but the crops. Um, and again, this time Pharaoh was so polite. I need to let God's people go. Please, Moses, just pray and ask God to let the hail stop. And then in chapter 9, verse 34, it says, but when Pharaoh saw that the rain, hail, and thunder had stopped, he and his officials sinned again, and Pharaoh became stubborn, and his heart became hot, because his heart was hard, and Pharaoh refused to let the people leave. And kind of the big idea behind the scripture that I got out of it after reading it a couple times was I realized, actually, this is the same problem I have. We, the problem is we don't just make New Year's resolutions on New Year's Day, I think we've been making New Year's resolutions throughout the year, maybe after every sermon journey, maybe every time the pawpaw hits the fan in your life, or maybe every time sin got you super, 
guilty about something, then, then we come up with a, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it next week. I'm going to do something different. Actually, I'm going I'm to go to church more. I'm going to stop this sin. I'm going to stop this habit. And it just becomes a repetitive thing, and there's never actually any growth. And just, a, again, a small little example. Uh, and now maybe you can't relate to this, and it's, again, it's embarrassing for me to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I had a, I had a bit of a, a resolution lately that I want to start waking up earlier because it's a struggle. I love waking up early, but if there's nothing good to do, waking up for mundane things just isn't inspiring enough to get out of bed. And the problem is, I just didn't. And I'm like, no, I'm really going to do it. And then I don't. And then what would happen is, Saturday comes, and because I don't wake up early, it means there's no way I'm going to study before, or there's no way I'm going to study late in the day, because by then I'm too tired. So if I don't get stuff done before I leave my house, it's never going to happen. And so what should have been an epic weekend chilling with mates turned into a horrible weekend stressing, studying, prepping stuff, because I didn't do it in the week. And I'm like... Never again am I going to put myself through this from Monday, because Mondays is when you start things. I'm going to wake up early. problem with Mondays is Mondays is my day off, which means there's no need for me to get... And again, and again, it's a silly example. I know some of you are facing much more serious stuff than trying to wake up early, but I think you can relate where something happens, and you're like, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to change. But the moment that stress is gone, the moment that guilt's gone, the moment that pressure, that problem's gone, actually, we just fall back into how things was just like Pharaoh did. And we're going to get into what finally changed Pharaoh's mind a little bit later. And again, so I knew I needed something bigger than just a resolution or a great idea. I needed something that I think is called repentance. And the thing is, I wasn't repenting from not waking up early. I was just coming up with brilliant good ideas on what the morning's going to look like. And it looked like sunshine. It was going to be amazing. But I never did it. And in Matthew 3, verse 8, it says, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. It's very, very easy to make Christian-y ideas on what our life's going to be like and just never prove it with how we live. So just quickly, what, what is repentance then that we're talking about? Well, the best way I can describe repentance is by describing a time I had in Peter Marisburg at a youth conference. And again, I don't know if I should say this because some of your kids were probably in the car with me and I do apologize. But I don't know Peter Marisburg too well. And anyway, it was late at night, later than what it should have been. But ice cream is how you save youth. So I took them for ice cream when I shouldn't have. And so we're riding down this road and there's like these dodge, ki- dodge O's like waving at me like crazy. And being a responsible youth leader, I ignored them. And I went on because it's late and they dodge. And then I see this dodgy car riding straight for me with its headlights towards me. I'm like, oh, this guy can't drive. And then I realize, actually, I'm the dodge guy. It's a one-way, and I'm driving down the wrong way. And there's other O's waving at me. He's trying to tell me to make a U-turn because there's cars coming. So again, sometimes repentance, literally the, the literal word for repentance, actually means, it doesn't mean I'm sorry. It means to have a change of mind. So repentance is... It's actually changing my direction. Actually, I didn't know it was wrong, but now that I know it's wrong, I need to quickly turn around and go back. But sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes you're like me, and you're in Dollar Drive in Elton, and you know it's a one-way, but instead of going around the block, there's just like a little gap to the shop down the street. And then again, repentance would be actually knowing something's wrong, but having a change of mind, and actually, I know this is wrong. Actually, I'm not going to do that. And that's what repentance is. It's not some great idea. It's an action to change the way you think, to change your direction and change your heart, but 
towards God and what he wants. And there's two types of repentances. That, that, that one big moment when we repent and we actually turn our lives to Jesus. That's when we turn our backs on us and we say, Jesus, kind of like what Chaz said, now actually you want to come back to your father. You want to come back to every, having a relationship with him. And, that's, and I believe that's a once-off. You can't lose that. But I do believe there's also repentance that needs to happen often. And, and that's there so we can become more and more like Jesus. Yes, when we give our lives to Jesus, we are saved. But he wants us to become more and more like him. Slowly dealing with sin throughout our lives. And what I love about sin is... What I love about sin... <laughs> what I love about repentance is... I'm glad you guys are awake. It's good to know you're listening. I'm glad. What I love about repentance is that it's not our great idea like resolutions often are. Repentance was God's great idea. And what I love is God's not shocked at our mess-ups. God's not taken by surprise with our sin and our shortcomings. Honestly expected it. Because he expected it, he had a plan in place. And I thought, I thought of my little nephew, Ezra. Now, my brother and his wife, Nicole. Honestly, when, when they started realizing when you start feeding him, some of it comes out again. They weren't shocked at the dirt and the filth and the stench that was there. Actually, they were prepared for it. Before Ezra was even born, they went and stocked up on nappies and wet wipes and other stuff. And actually, they were ready. Actually, God knew we were going to mess up. He knew he was going to sin. And he had a solution. He had a plan in place from before. He paid the price of prepping us to have Jesus' blood ready to wash us clean. And I have a, it's a silly example, but I have like a little gift voucher card. And the thing about this is, the only way I can get what I can from the shop with this is if someone puts some credit on it. And I feel, like, I feel like what Jesus did on the cross gave us some credit to access some healing, some restoration, and some forgiveness. But I feel like repentance is that act when you actually go in and cash in and swipe it. And I feel like God's given us this potential to be forgiven, to, to grow, to be redeemed, to restore all areas of our lives continually as we walk with him. But repentance is when we actually come and say, actually, I'm going to change my mind on this. I want to cash in for some of that forgiveness. And, excuse me. And at the start of this year, um, kind of what got me wanting to talk about this was, was I read a scripture and I realized again, I needed something more. And let me just read the scripture. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, then if my people who are called by my name, and again, God's talking about his own people, and I feel like this is almost like God saying, not just a bunch of unsaved people that don't know me, actually, actually you are in church outlook. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. And I was thinking, I know in this year, I need... God to heal some, I don't have physical land, but I know there's areas in my life where actually I need God to come and heal and fix. I need God to come and restore certain things. And God's solution to us for this is this thing called repentance. If we actually turn to him and his ways, actually he will do, our job is to rock up and turn away from our way of thinking. Actually he will come and he will do the healing. And I'm sure you can relate. Maybe, I don't know whether it's your business, whether it's relationships, whether it's finances. I'm sure a lot of us need God's healing and, and restoration somewhere. And I believe that's going to come when we learn how to repent. Um, so I can have a resolution this year, and so can you. 
or we can take it up a level and we can repent. Um, so the question I was asking myself is how do I, how do, what is the actual difference between just this repetitive resolutions versus true, true repentance? And I want us to look back at Pharaoh and what he was going through. So every time, plague after plague, the moment things went better, he turned back to his old ways, except when there was a death. I don't know if you know, the tenth plague was God sent an angel and it killed Pharaoh's firstborn son. And it literally took something dying for Pharaoh to actually realize God's in control and I'm going to surrender to him. And I'll read that verse. In chapter 12, verse 31, it says, Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. He said, get out, he ordered, leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. On top of that, he goes and asks Moses to actually pray for him and bless him. It's such a radical moment of changing what he was doing, all because something died. And I feel for us to truly, thank you, for us to truly repent in our lives, I think some, something in our lives also need to die. We didn't get to that in a moment. But also, this is such a nice picture of how death humbled Pharaoh. And I was thinking, surely us knowing how Jesus died, shouldn't that humble us also and lead us to, to turn away? I remember probably like two years ago, I wouldn't say it was a sin or it was a bad thing, but I definitely know I was doing something that I knew was not God's will. But I was determined, I made up my mind, I was quite angry and I was stubborn. And it got to the point where like, I literally had some forms I needed to sign and I had to make a decision. And like, my mind was made up. And somehow, by the grace of God, that like, cheesy religiousness like, built up inside of me. And I was like, actually, I can't do this until like, I pray. And, but my mind was made up. I'm like, I just need to say a prayer and then I can do it and then I'll feel good. And I was like, no, nah, I can't. I should probably like, read my Bible a bit or something. And I was like, oh, this is such a pain. I just want to get this done with. I made up my mind already. And I ended up reading two scriptures that day that, again, just convicted me so much. And I realized I knew what I was doing was against God's will. The problem is I just wanted it that much that I wanted to do it anyway. And until finally at a moment where conviction set in, I actually let that desire, that will that I wanted so bad die to God's will. Actually, nothing was going to change. And looking back now, something that didn't seem as important, I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't make such a stupid decision. Um, and again, just a silly example, um, that story with Pharaoh again, when, when God's people, I don't know if you know, that to, they had to take a lamb and kill it and they had to paint the lamb's blood on the doorposts to stop um, the Israelite children from dying. Um, God actually told them to, to let that lamb live in the house of them for a while. So I think that lamb probably grew up in the family's house for like 14 days. Can you imagine your little kids growing up with a nice little lamb probably haven't named it and then you need to be the dad that goes and slucks the thing and paints the blood all over the door that's it's quite hectic and I feel sometimes with sin we do the same thing that the very thing that that we're supposed to get rid of and kill in order to bring us the healing and the restoration we kind of make friends with it and we get too attached to it because we actually just like it and we tolerate it instead of making the tough call early um, there's this guy, I don't know who he is, but his name is Matthew Henry. He said, many mourn for their sins, but don't truly repent of them. Many bitterly weep and cry over them, yet they continue to love and live with it. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 21, it's a story of where um, this guy comes to Jesus, and he's a good guy, 
but, he, but he's asking Jesus, hey, what must I do to follow you? What must I do to be perfect and go to heaven? And Jesus says in Matthew, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. And I don't think Jesus' point of saying that to him had anything to do with money or possessions. I think Jesus knew that that was a thing that that guy was holding on to so much that he wasn't willing to let go. I'm thinking how many of us are just holding on to something. We want to follow Jesus, but there's this thing we're just not willing to let go. And again, a very silly story, but I think you can relate to it in whatever you're facing. Um, when I first started going to youth back in the day, I was probably saved for like three weeks. And, and I think the person I idolized the most in my life who I wanted to become was this guy called Eminem. And I don't know if you know him, but he's the best rapper in the world. He's legit. And like I tried and dress like I had a cap, a cap with his name on and I was so keen like music didn't exist if it wasn't Eminem. That's all I wanted. I remember sitting in youth the, day, youth the one night and this lady was preaching. I don't even know what she was preaching about. But somehow I just felt convicted like I should stop listening to this. And again, I'm not saying you should stop listening to anything. This was, this was just an example of something I got convicted of personally. I remember sitting there and I, it was quite interesting because I knew if I had to stop listening to that basically probably at least half of my identity was gone because that's all I spoke about it's all I was after I was extremely insecure of my hair and I would never not have a hat on and that's hence why I always wore his hat which meant in that moment I felt not just oh, let me tomorrow not wear that let me next week delete my playlist I don't know, it was like so convicting. I felt in that moment while sitting listening to the preach that I needed to take my hat off and put it on the floor and just never put it on again. And honestly, that day I took it off. It's never been back on. I've never listened to the guy again. And again, I'm not saying there's any music you shouldn't listen to. I'm just saying I knew there was something that I wasn't willing to let go until that thing literally died. Not some great idea, some plan to wean off the music, to radically let something die that I actually loved for the sake of I really wanted to follow and be obedient to Jesus. Um, so again, there's repentance that leads us to salvation and Jesus, but there's also repentance like this, the silly things I mentioned, that leads us to grow and follow Jesus more and more and to become like him. A.W. Ping said, the Christian who has stopped repenting has stopped growing. And again, back to my embarrassing story of waking up. And again, I'm just going to use this as an analogy, and you can apply this to something more serious you're facing. But I could keep thinking, you know what, I should probably just wake up earlier. Or I can realize maybe this little thing inside of me I keep thinking about might be the Holy Spirit nudging me to a bit of a bigger issue. And I realized waking up early wasn't the problem. The problem was I just wasn't being faithful to what God has called me. I wasn't honoring commitments that he's asked me to do. I wasn't growing, spending time with him in his word because actually I was just unfaithful and I wasn't taking what he's called me to serious. And when I started viewing it as that, suddenly I realized I don't need some great idea or strategy or fancy new alarm clock that you need to do maths to wake up. What I needed was, actually I need to repent and I need to let my will down and I need to turn to Jesus. It's a silly, really small example, but I think you can apply that to your own, to your own life. The moment we stop repenting is when we stop growing and learning the lessons God wants us to learn. So again, maybe yours isn't 
waking up early, but maybe, maybe you don't need a financial goals resolution this year. Maybe actually you need to repent from not stewarding what God's given you well enough. Or fill in the blank, whatever you're facing, maybe resolutions aren't the issue. Maybe repentance is. So again, let's not keep coming up with the same ideas. Let's, let's change our mind and make a decision. Let us not become too attached to sin that we're too scared to let it go. Maybe your resolutions you came up with are actually the Holy Spirit pointing his finger at, at a deeper root that you need to repent from. And repentance should be continuous, but I don't think it should be repetitive. I think there's always going to be new things God challenges us as he, as, he, as he leads us to be closer like him. But if it's just repetitive things over and over, then that should be a warning light. We're not truly repenting. And again, let's not, let's not become a victim like Pharaoh of our own stubbornness because we just weren't willing to repent. So again, I just, I just want to land with this. If this year you may be thinking, you know, actually, actually this year I want to start going to church. That's, that's my resolution. That's, that's epic and I'm glad you're here. But I think a, a better resolution would be to to rather repent and turn to Jesus instead of coming to church. And that's just, again, it's just an example, is church should be the fruit of your repentance of turning to Jesus, coming here. And whatever other areas in your life, let's not make the thing the resolution. Let's find out what the root is that's stopping me from growing, stopping me from serving. What's the thing stopping me? Don't make a resolution. I'm going to get involved. What haven't you let die that's stopping you from getting involved? And so I just want to pray, Father... Thank you so much for this wonderful gift that you've given us to be able to come to you and truly repent, Father God. So I pray that you, that you humble us by your love. I pray that you show us um, areas in our life where we are tolerating sin, we are tolerating something that's not your will. And I pray, Lord, um, not just for this year and this moment, but throughout this year, that we won't keep coming up with great ideas and not growing and not repenting. But I pray, Father God, that we truly serve you, we truly turn to you, and we change our direction to you, Father. Father God, I know that resolutions are just goals, but I pray that you give us repentance, which, which leads us just in a new direction. Even if we fall and stumble along the way, I pray that, that you constantly lead us to constantly turn back and turn to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.